The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. in an amazing series that we have been in since the start of the year. It's been so good. It's called I Am. If you're ready for the word, say I Am. I Am. am. If you got a Bible with you today and you want to follow along with me, you can get that out. Turn over to John chapter 15. Um, If you've got your Being Transformed journal out, get that out because you're going to need it today. I've got some notes for you. If you forgot it, that's okay. I've forgotten mine a couple Sundays already, so no shame to you. But I tell my students this every single Wednesday, and I'll tell it to you guys. I want you to do whatever you need to do to put yourself in a posture that's leaning in with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want you to lean in with me today because here's the thing about sitting under messages week after week after week. It's easy for us to get in the mindset of, ah, I've already heard that before. I've heard this, I've heard John 15 a million times before. I've, I've been a Christian forever. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and all of this is new information to you. I don't know where you find yourself today, but here's what I do know. I know we serve a God who wants to speak to you. And he doesn't just want to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. Like today, he is going to say something to you about your life for your circumstance. And here's what that tells me. If all of us, if we leave this room today and we don't have one thing that we think God whispered to us about, guess whose fault that's not? It's not God's fault because he's talking. And this is why Jesus said all the time throughout scripture, like they didn't have eyes to hear. They didn't have ears to, or uh, eyes to see (laughs) and ear. That would be weird if you had eyes to hear. He said they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. It's because they weren't in the posture to receive. You hear me? So whatever that looks like for you, maybe that is opening up your Bible. Maybe you get distracted by that. Do whatever you need to do to lean in with me for the next few moments, okay? So we are going to be jumping into this, and this series has a gist. There's a a theme, the thread throughout this whole series. Really, it's about one thing and one thing only. It's about Jesus. We're just looking at Jesus and these I am statements that he gives us, because all throughout the book of John, he gives us these statements And what he's doing is really important for us to understand. Jesus is doing two things through each of these I am statements. The first thing Jesus is doing through every single one is he is self-defining. Now, what do I mean by that? He's self-defining. Well, he's literally telling us, this is who I am. And because this is who I am, this is what I'm like, and this is what I'm not like. You feel me? You hear what I'm saying? Here's what, here's what I mean by this. My wife, Haley, and I, my wife is sitting on the front row. She's amazing. She's my best friend. But we are wired very differently. And maybe if you're, you have a spouse in the room, you're like, yeah, me too. We're wired very differently. My wife, Haley, and I are wired differently in this way. Every single night when the clock strikes 1030, it's like there was a curse put on her as a baby. Like some evil, wicked witch of the West was like, because every single night, when the clock strikes 10.30, Haley hits a second wind of energy out of nowhere. Where are my nighttime people at? Like, you get stoked at night. Haley, every single night at 10.30, she's like, let's go. Let's talk. Let's watch something. Let's do something. And I'm different. <laughs> every single night at 10.30, when the clock strikes 10.30, I am starting to get very boring 
and tired and I'm dozing off. Like it doesn't matter what we're doing. We could be in the, we could be in the middle of watching like an, a new episode from Book of Boba Fett. We've been looking forward to it all week. She'll look over at me and I'm like, if it's past 1030. We could be with family members that we haven't seen for months. If it's after 1030, I am not very fun to be around. I get really boring after 1030 and this is, drives Haley crazy because she tells me, Jackson, you're missing out on the best part of me. Like this is, I'm, I'm living my best life right now and you're missing out on it. Like I'm not even myself all day long and at 1030, that's when I'm myself and you're tired? And I'm like, yes, I'm tired. And I say all that to say this, I have been trying to define for Haley for almost four years now of our marriage, every single night that she should be tired at 1030. And I have made zero progress. <laughs> like zero progress. Haven't made any progress at all. And I say all that to say this, I don't define Haley. Like I can't make her be the way I want her to be. I have to learn to be in relationship with Haley. And in the same way, what Jesus is doing through these I am statements is he's saying, hey, I know you think I'm this way, but this is who I actually am. Like when Jesus was on this earth, the Jewish people, they really wanted Jesus to be a certain way because the Roman Empire was oppressing them and they thought Jesus was going to be this, this political leader, this military leader that was going to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. And you know what Jesus told them? Hey, I know you really want me to be this kind of Jesus, but this is who I am. And you have to learn how to relate to me in this way. Come on, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Josh reminded us that so many people today, we all find ourselves in this situation where we look at Jesus and we're like, Jesus, I want you to be my best friend and my homeboy, but don't confront my sin. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how I am. I confront things because I love you. You feel what I'm saying? Jesus is self-defining through every single one of these I am statements. This is what he's doing. He's letting us know, this is who I am. And it's important for us to know that because then we can do the second part. This is what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to teach us how to be in relationship with him. That's the heart of our church. What's the vision of our church? We wanna help people know God. Come on, you can do better than that. We wanna help people know God, relate to God, talk with God. And it's really hard to talk to somebody when you don't know who they really are. And Jesus is telling us, this is who I am. And when you know who I really am, not who you think I am, then and only then can you really relate to me. Then can you be with me? And this is what Jesus is doing. He's doing these two things. And tonight, sorry, this morning, I did that again last service. This morning, we're going to be looking through another I am statement. We've done a lot so far. So if you've missed any, I'd really encourage you go back, check it out. There have been some really, really good messages, but we are going to be talking about the true vine. Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine. But before we do, let's pray. Let's invite God into this room. Let's, let's center our hearts to him. So you can bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father God, I thank you so much for today. And I thank you so much that you meet us here. Lord, that through worship, we just got to lift you up. We got to glorify your name. And when that happens, God, your word tells us that you fill the space that we're in. You come and you meet us right where we're at. So I lift up every heart to you today, every mind. And I pray that wherever we find ourselves today, whether it's connected to the true vine or not, God, I pray that you would reveal to us what it means 
to be connected to you, Jesus, as the true vine, because only you can bear the fruit that you want us to bear. It's not our works. It's not our striving. It's only you. So help us to see that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay, John chapter 15. We're about to go through it. We find Jesus. He's about to give us another I am statement. But I think for us, before we get into it, we gotta, we got to talk about the context, the where, the, the what, the why, what's happening when Jesus is in John chapter 15. Well, here's the context. This week's message, which is I am the true vine, and last week's message, we talked about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Both of these are happening in the same context. It's at the end of the, the Last Supper. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. And how, how many of you know? He knows what's about to happen. Like Jesus fully understands the weight of this moment, the gravity of this situation. He knows that in just a matter of hours, they are going to leave this room. He's going to head to the garden. He's going to feel the pressure of the cross. He's going to die on the cross. He knows all of that is ahead. And it's almost like the closer Jesus gets to his death, like the more clear he's starting to be with his disciples. He's like, come on, guys, you're not getting this. No more parables, because you ain't getting the parables. No more Old Testament references. You're not getting those either. I'm just going to pull you in real close and be as clear as I possibly can with you. And it's in that kind of moment, like this is a big deal. This is Jesus's final manifesto. And Jesus pulls the disciples in really close in this moment. And this is where we get John 15, which is, if you've read it recently, is easily one of the most beautiful passages of scripture we have in all the Bible. It's my favorite thing Jesus tells us. And it will preach a message all on its own. Like that's how good it is. And so are y'all cool if we read like a, a, a chunky part of John 15? You know, sometimes I don't think we read enough Bible in church. So my students on Wednesday nights, I tell them we like our messages chunky. That means we don't just, I don't just come up and read like two verses and then preach a message. No, we go chunky with it. So we're going to go chunky today. I want to read to you 17 verses from John 15. Uh-oh. Can y'all handle 17 verses? It's going to be the best 17 verses of your life. Okay. Jesus is about to drop some bars. Okay. Here we go. John 15, verse 1, hanging with me. Here's what he says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Somebody say nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear fruit, much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, not your joy, that his joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Can you guys do four more verses with me? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I'm going to read that again. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Can we get an amen for that? Whew. Man, altar ministry, y'all can just come on up. Like... I don't even need to preach a message after that. Like, that's how good that is. It's so good. I love God's word. And I was reading this a lot this week. I was rereading it, reading it some more. And this passage just blows my mind because I don't know how Jesus does it, but in just 17 verses, he talks about so many different topics, and yet he's so simple about all of it. He's so clear about everything he says. Like there are parts of John 15 that make me feel like, okay, I need to be loving people a little bit better, right? And then there's other parts of John 15 where Jesus is like, hey, calm down, stop striving, just live in my grace like that I have for you. And then at the same time, there's other parts where I'm like, I need to be doing more for Jesus, right? Are you getting that? There are some parts of John 15, I hope they do this for you. They straight up put the fear of God in me a little bit. And I think that's important. And so really today, my burden uh, and my prayer, my purpose of this message is I wanna try and be like Jesus. I wanna be, be as clear and simple as I can with this passage because it's so dense and he covers so much. So I've got four points for you. There's some fun points, some fun sub points, but they are all under this idea of this. It's really simple. What does John 15 do for us? That's what I want to talk about today. So point number one is this. What does John 15 do for us? Number one, it informs us. It informs us. Okay, so what is it informing us about? Well, Jesus is using some imagery here. And for most of us, this imagery probably brings some things to mind. He talks about a vine, a vine dresser, start to, you know, start to think about gardening a little bit. You know, for me, when I was thinking about this, this message, I was reminded of how my wife Haley and I, we built a raised bed at the beginning of COVID during lockdown because we, you know, we all had to find something to do because we were bored, right? What, maybe you picked up gardening. Maybe you picked up, I know a lot of people picked up sourdough baking. That wasn't us. We built a raised bed in our garden and we were so stoked about it. We were like, we're going to live off the land and <laughs> we're not even going to have to go to Walmart for our produce. It's going to be so cool. And we didn't eat anything from our garden, like nothing. The only cool thing was I grew a child-sized zucchini. It was this big. I grew that in my raised bed. But we didn't eat any fruit from it, no vegetables. And now we are growing grass in our raised bed. 
It's just grass. That's it. But maybe, maybe gardening comes to mind when you hear these terms. Maybe for you, you've gotten to tour a winery before, or you've been to an actual vineyard before. And so you start to think about this imagery that Jesus is talking about. That, that's for us today. But think about this. Jesus is talking to the disciples. All of this imagery would have meant so much to the disciples because the context that they were living in was ancient Israel. And you could just walk out your front door and you would see vineyards all over the place. You would see vines and crops and wine being made all over the place because vines were a normal part of your everyday life. And they weren't just a normal part of your everyday life. They were a big deal for you spiritually if you were in ancient Israel because the vine had a lot of symbolism. It was kind of like the cross for us today. Like you see people with a cross necklace. Everybody knows what the cross necklace is. It's kind of like that. When Jesus says the word vine, everybody in the room at this time knew exactly what he was talking about. They thought he was talking about them. Because up until Jesus says, I am the true vine, their understanding was, we're the true vine. Like Israel is the true vine. I want to show you this in the Old Testament. There's two passages I want to show you where where God talks about Israel as being the true vine. This first one is in Isaiah chapter 5. Here's what it says. It says, my beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and he cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. So he's talking about making a way for Israel, planting Israel. He chose Israel, but he built a watchtower in the midst of it and he hewed out a wine vat in it. He looked for it to yield, wild, or to, to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Okay, so what do we see happening here? We see God... He's this vineyard owner, and he so badly desires to produce a good crop, which is Israel. And what do we see him doing? We see him doing everything in his power to put Israel in the best possible position for harvest. So what does he do? He picks Israel. He chooses the right vine. What does it say? It says he clears out obstacles that are going to be in the way of growth. He builds a watchtower. He does all of this stuff only to get something worthless in return. So I looked up this word wild berries or wild grapes because when I first read wild grapes, I was like, okay, come on, God. You're being a little harsh on the people of Israel. They're just wild grapes. They've got to at least taste like grapes, right? This is what I found out. I looked up the word Hebrew meaning for wild grapes, and this is the definition. The word in Hebrew is biushim, and it means this, stinking or worthless thing. Another definition is literally just stink berries. So God's like, I chose you, Israel, and all I got back were some stink berries in return. Like, come on, guys, what's going on here? And what do we see in just this one little passage? We see the entire narrative of the Old Testament. What do I mean by this? We see God, story after story, over and over again, choosing Israel, doing everything he can to take obstacles out of their way, provide for them, show mercy to them when he could be showing them judgment. Like God's constantly showing up for Israel only to get what back in return? Rejection, sin, idol worship. That's the whole Old Testament. I got one more verse for you where God's talking about children of Israel as the vine. Look at this, Jeremiah 2.20 says this, long ago, I broke the yoke that oppressed you, talking about Egypt, and I tore away the chains of your slavery. But still you said, I will not serve you. 
on every hill and under every green tree, you have prostituted yourselves by bowing down to idols. But I was the one who planted you, choosing the vine of the purest stock, the very best. How did you grow up into this corrupt, wild vine? God's like, why did you become a stinkberry, Israel? <laughs> Here's what we learn. Here's what we're informed about through Jesus in John chapter 15. Number one, Jesus is the true vine. Now, some of you guys are like, duh, Jackson, he just said that. <laughs> but I've got true underlined, because check this out. Listen to me, Jesus didn't say he was the only vine in existence. He said, I'm the true vine. I'm the true vine. And I know that seems really simple, but think about this with me for a second. Put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples, because up until Jesus is giving you this new information, your hope wasn't in Jesus. Your hope was in your performance to the commandments. So you were the vine, and that meant you had to connect yourself to a vine in order to live up to this identity that God had given you. So you had two vines that you were you had options to connect yourself to before Jesus. It was either yourself, which is the vine of pride, or you could find another vine outside of God, which is what? The vine of idols. You see, church, there are plenty of very real vines in our life that you can connect to. And guess what? They're bearing fruit. It's just not the fruit you want to be eating. It's not the fruit you want to be feeding your family, the people you work with. What are these vines? It's the same vines that the children of Israel could have connected to. We can connect ourselves to the vine of pride where we think it's on us to walk out this identity in Christ. It's on me. Or when I figure out that's really hard and I, I'm not that great and I start looking to other vines outside of Christ, which are idols, come on, all of those vines are producing something. It's just not the same fruit Jesus wants to produce through your life. Because guess what? Jesus informs us that he's the true vine. Your identity is in Christ. Look at this. David Guzik says this, we must be rooted in him, not Israel, if we will bear fruit for God. In the new covenant community, our first identification is in Jesus Christ himself, not in Israel and not even in the church as such. So before you're a Christian, before you're a person who goes to New Song Church, before any of that, your identity is in the true vine. Not in any other vine, not in a church, not in an Instagram pastor that you like. No, no, your vine, your vine is the true vine, Jesus. John 15, 2 says this, every branch. Somebody say every. every. You can do a little bit better than that. Every. every. There we go. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So the first thing Jesus informs us is that he's the true vine. The second thing Jesus informs us about is this, being connected to Jesus will guarantee fruit and it will also guarantee pruning. Now we love to talk about fruit in church because fruit is awesome. Fruit is sweet, it tastes a lot better than vegetables. When we're talking about our Christianese, we like fruit because that means like a fruitful life, right? Like my life's going great and I got all the stuff I need and God's been so fruitful in my life. I got the job I want. This is not the fruit Jesus is talking about. And we're gonna get to that in just a second. But first we gotta talk about the really fun part of pruning. <laughs> and Jesus informs us that as a Christian, you can expect pruning. 
So what is pruning? Pruning is the process of cutting away what's unproductive, physically with a vine, but also with us. Pruning is the process of cutting away what's unproductive. And so in this passage, Jesus paints this picture of Father God being a vine dresser who's coming in, he's examining the vine, he's taking things out that don't need to be there, he's lifting branches up that need some help, he's examining the vine. But I think sometimes, if we're not careful, we can read this passage, maybe you're like me, I get some really strong good cop, bad cop vibes from, from this passage. Here's what I mean by that. We see Jesus, and he's the good cop in this scenario. And all you gotta do is just connect to Jesus, and good's gonna come from it, and it's awesome, you're gonna grow fruit, it's gonna be great. And then here comes Father God. He's got a chainsaw. And he just can't wait to come and prune your life up. (laughs) Sometimes if we're not careful, we read this passage and we get a little bit of a wrong view of God because we think God is Father God, the vine dresser, coming in with a massive machete. And he's just ready to come and cut anything good, anything bad out of your life because he hates you. And guess what? That's not how God prunes. God is not running into your life with a chainsaw, getting ready to rip everything out that doesn't look like him. He's a good vine dresser. He's the vine dresser. So how does he dress us? How does he prune us? Well, I was uh, on YouTube this week, which I'm on a lot. Haley's like, you spend too much time on YouTube. I like YouTube, okay? And I was scrolling through my feed, and the algorithm was really on point this week. Sometimes the algorithm is creepy how it knows you, because I was scrolling through my YouTube feed and this video came up. I didn't search this, it just said, The Vine Dresser, John 15. And I was like, that's kind of creepy. I'm preaching on that this week. (laughs) So I clicked on the video, obviously, and I watched it and it was about this modern day vineyard owner living in Silicon Valley somewhere. And he just wanted to talk about John 15 through his perspective. I was like, this is so awesome. Now the video was very like low quality. It was like windy and it was filmed on an iPhone and it looked really bad, but the content was so good. So this, this vineyard owner, he's standing in his field in this farm. There's just acres and acres of land, rows and rows of vines and fruit everywhere. And in this video, he says, you know, people all the time, they come to his uh, farm and they say things like, dude, This looks like the business to be in. Like, it looks like you're so fruitful and you're making all this money. And I bet you're living large as a vineyard owner. And I loved what he said. I think this is the heart of our father God as the vine dresser. He said, there are way more industries where you can make more money with a lot less risk. He said, as a vine dresser, you don't do it for the money. You do it because you love to grow grapes. Now, think about that with the perspective of our Father God for a second. Like, think about this. Before Jesus, somebody gets this. Before Jesus, you and I are a very risky crop for God to invest into. Like, before Jesus showed up in your life, God really doesn't need to invest in you and me. But he does it because he loves you. So think about that perspective when he prunes you. The vine dresser doesn't prune you because he hates the, the vine or because he hates the, the branches. No, he prunes because he wants to see the fruit produced in your life, church. I loved what he said, this this vine dresser. uh, He said this. He said the entire farm, he's talking about the 26 acres of land he was standing on. He said, all of this has to be inspected and cut by hand. 
He said, even in Silicon Valley in the 21st century, with all of the technology we have today, we still have not developed a piece of machinery that can come in and prune what has to be cut by hand. I hope you see the mercy and the patience of God in that. Like God, he cares about every single detail in your life, church. And I'm telling you, Father God is not running into your life with a chainsaw, ready to rip out all of the good and the bad in your life. He's ready to work with you. He's ready to inspect you. And here's what's so cool about that. If God really does ask you to prune something, if he really does come into your life and he takes this out or he asks you to lay this, this dream down or let this thing be sacrificed, it's because he's inspected every detail of your life. And he knows that this isn't as productive as what it should be. Let's lay that down. Let's cut that off for a season. Let's lift this up. In fact, I was actually studying this out and most scholars believe that this word pruning in the Greek, it doesn't just mean cutting off, but it actually means a lifting up. And if you think about a vine, that makes a lot of sense. Like sometimes vines, they fall to the ground and they get too heavy because maybe they're not getting enough sunlight. And so what a, vine, what a vine dresser would do is they wouldn't just come through and chop off every vine that was dead. Sometimes they would lift up a vine and here's what I think that reminds me of. Every, every single one of us, number one, we can expect to be pruned for the rest of our life. <laughs> like you don't just get pruned when you're a teenager and then when you're an adult, you're just living in fruit for the rest of your life. <laughs> As a Christian, you will always be pruned. But the pruning looks different for all of us. It looks different on an individual level. Sometimes it is that cutting away. Sometimes it is that relationship not working out that we really wanted to work out. Sometimes it is that job that we really wanted that God said, I need you to lay that down. But other times, I really believe that pruning is also a process of God lifting you up to maybe a position that you don't think you're ready for. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, but then the strength comes. I know for me, I really relate to this. This resonates with me because before I moved to OKC to be a part of New Song Church, I had to be pruned a little bit. And the pruning process looked really weird for me. It looked like cutting away, like leaving Gateway Church, my comfortability, my friends there, my life there. But it also, it wasn't just a cutting away. It was a lifting up into a position that I didn't think I could do. And sometimes this is what God does in our life. He lifts us up when he prunes us to a position that we don't think we're ready for, but he's ready to give you strength and produce through you. Amen? So we're informed about a couple things. We're informed that Jesus is the true vine. Number two, as Christians, we should probably expect a little pruning in our life. And number three, the fruit being produced is not stuff. The fruit being produced is not stuff. Now, please hear me, church. I believe that God is a good father. He's such a good father. He gives good gifts. He is your provider. And I believe that he is your provider, both spiritually, materially, physically, financially. I believe all of those things. But here's what I know. Jesus is not saying that if you are connected to him, you're going to get that job you want. You're going to get that car you want. You're going to have an amazing day every single day because you're awesome, right? Like, that's not necessarily the fruit Jesus wants to produce. That stuff is good fruit from God. But when Jesus is talking about fruit being produced, he's not talking about the fruit of stuff. He's talking about the fruit of obedience. The fruit he's really trying to grow in you is not stuff. It's not a good life. It's obedience. Look at this. He says it pretty clearly. John 15, verse 12. 
This is my commandment. Here's the obedience he wants to see in us, that you love one another as I have loved you. So check this out. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine and I want to grow fruit in you, he wants to grow the fruit of obedience, which is how you love people. How you love people. Really, what I think the fruit is that Jesus is talking about is I believe it's the fruit of the Spirit. Because think about this with me. We just came out of a series last year about this. The fruit of the Spirit, we know this. God doesn't produce the fruit of the Spirit for you to consume yourself, right? We've never seen an apple tree produce a fruit and then stuff it into itself. That's because the fruit of the Spirit is grown in our life solely for other people to eat from. The fruit of the Spirit is not for me to eat from. It is produced for my family, for my wife, for my kids, for you guys, and it's the same with you. And this is what Jesus is trying to produce in us, the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what's interesting? Is it's not called the fruits of the Spirit. It's not plural. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which means that you can walk in one and not the other, and that makes it not the fruit of the Spirit. Like in our life, we can produce different parts of the fruit of the Spirit in our own strength. Like we all have felt joy before or patience or shown kindness to somebody. But if we don't also have self-control, if we don't have joy, if we don't have all of it, guess what? It's not the fruit of the Spirit. And here's what that tells me. That sounds like a really big thing to, to produce then. Well, here's what that tells me. You can't produce it in your own strength. The only way you can produce all of the fruit of the Spirit is if you're connected to the true vine. And this is what Jesus is trying to produce in you and me. It's not stuff. It's not a great life. He'll give you all of that. But at the end of the day, what he really cares about is are you going to obey me? Are you going to love people? Are you going to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life and feed this earth? Amen, church. This is what happens in John 15. The second thing that John 15 is doing for us is it encourages us. It encourages us. This passage is awesome. I love verse three. It's kind of random what Jesus says here, but it's so deep. He says, already you are clean because, I've the, I, because of the word I've spoken to you. And when you read this whole passage, that kind of sounds random because he just talked about being the vine. And then this verse is kind of like smacked in the middle. And then he goes back to talking about the vine. It seems random, but think about this for a second. He's talking to a specific group of people in this moment. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to a, a group of guys who have followed him around, devoted their lives to following Jesus for three years. And in a matter of hours, all of them are going to leave him. All of them are either going to run the other way, hide, look the other direction. Some of them are even going to curse the fact that they even knew Jesus. Would you say that's some bad fruit? That's some bad fruit produced. And here's what's so encouraging about this. Jesus says, no, no, it's not about the fruit you, you produce. That makes you clean. Already you are clean because I have the word spoken over you. Here's what's so encouraging about that, church. Jesus is not looking at your ability to produce fruit in your own strength as his word to cleanse you. He says, no, no, no. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken over you. Here's what's so encouraging about that, church. You don't have to strive to produce fruit for Jesus to make you clean. It's not the fruit that makes you clean. It's the word that Jesus speaks over you that makes you clean. 
John 15 verse three says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. This is so good, look at this. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Here's another thing that encourages me about John 15. When I'm connected to Jesus, it's not a matter of if fruit is gonna come, but when fruit is gonna come. Like when you're connected to Jesus, you don't have to walk around thinking, man, I really hope fruit comes out of me one day. No, 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 that's not how it works. The Bible says very clearly, if you abide in Jesus, fruit has to be produced. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what kind of theology you know, how much you think you know about God, none of that matters. Jesus says, if you are connected to me, it's not a matter of if fruit's gonna come, but when fruit's gonna come. And here's what's so cool about this. It's not even all up to you. Jesus says, if you abide in me, I'm also responsible to abide in you. I am responsible to abide in you. And he even goes as far as to say, you didn't even choose me first. I chose you. I chose you. Okay, so this brings me to our third point, okay? We're gonna swing to the other end of the pendulum. I just encouraged you. Now I'm not gonna encourage you. I'm just kidding. We're just gonna go to the other end because point number three is this. This passage should humble us a little bit. It should humble us a little bit. I found this quote this week and it has just been on my mind all week long. I wanted to share it with you. It's from John Trapp. He says, all of our sap and our safety is from Christ. The bud of a good desire, the blossom of a good resolution, the fruit of a good action, all come from Jesus. Okay, let's unpack this for a second. I think on our individual walks with God, especially growing up in church, or maybe you've been in church for a long time, the enemy loves to come against God's people with this thing called comparison. Man, he loves to come in and to plant seeds of comparison in your heart to get you to think or to examine the fruit you think you're producing compared to the people on platform or the people that you're doing life with. He's like, hey, look at all that fruit they're producing. Look at the highlight reels on Instagram or look at all this fruit and look at how much you're not producing fruit. You must be doing something wrong. And we think that this shows us everything that's happening in here. Can we be real today, church? Can we be real today, church? This platform does not equal fruit in a person's life. I'm serious. This platform does not equal fruit in a person's life. Just because I am preaching from this mic does not mean I'm, pre I'm producing more fruit in my life than you. And this is important for us to realize because here's the thing. Anything you good see in you, anything good you see in me is Jesus in me. Anything, you good, anything good you see in your neighbor, it's not them, it's Jesus in them. Anything you see that's good happening in our church, we're not special. Guess what? We're just connected to the vine. This is humbling because here's the thing, that no pride can stay in that kind of equation. When you finally come to the understanding that anything good I see in a pastor that I like, anything good I see in that person that encourages me or sharpens me, really at the end of the day, it's just Jesus in them. Yes. It's Jesus in them, the bud of a good desire, 
the blossom of a good resolution, the fruit of a good action all come from Jesus. Everything good comes from Jesus. Everything good you see in me is just Jesus in me. And that's good news. That should humble us. The last thing that this verse should do to us, we're just, you know, we're already in the deep end. We might as well stay there. You cool with that? This verse should humble us, but it should also, point number four, it should warn us. It should warn us. You see, something uh, I think we don't like to do sometimes when it comes to this topic is we don't like to get so black and white because, you know, life is hard and life is confusing sometimes and there are gray areas in life, but really at the end of the day, if we believe everything that I just talked about, which I'm just going to assume you, you believed and you agreed with me because you said amen, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to assume, point number three, we talked about everything good comes from Jesus, right? If we really believe that, then shouldn't the inverse be true? Here's what I mean by that. We shouldn't be surprised if we see bad fruit in our life when we're not connected to Jesus. And this should warn us a little bit. Not in a, not in a hurtful way. It should just remind us that it is so important to abide to the vine. Because if anything good that you see in me is from Jesus, guess what? Anything bad you see in another person, it all boils down to a lack of abiding in Jesus. And this is important for us to know because guess what? People mess up, especially, you know, in ministry and in church, sometimes it's really easy to, to hear about these people, uh, these, these, these pastors that are celebrity pastors or whatever, they, they fall, they make mistakes, they sin. Maybe it was a moral failure. Maybe they were embezzling money, like stuff like this happens. And it's easy in that moment to look at that bad fruit and to think this, how could they? Like, how could they do that? And then if we're not careful, we can go even farther and say, I would never do that. But here's the thing. I'm not justifying what they're doing. I'm not saying that's okay, but really you are no better than they are. Because any of the bad fruit you see in them, it just sums up to a lack of abiding in Jesus. And sin is really easy to fall into when you're not abiding in Jesus. So this scripture should warn us, church, because it is that important to abide in Jesus on a daily basis. Because anything good that Jesus wants to produce in you, it all came from just you choosing to abide. And anything bad that you're producing in your life, it can be changed. But it has to change with a connection to Jesus. Look at this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. David Guzik says this about this passage and this is so important for us to understand church. The phrasing Jesus used here was important. He didn't say, if anyone does not bear fruit, he's cast out. He said, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. He knows who abides and who does not. And this cannot be perfectly discerned by the outward estimation of fruit. Church, Jesus is not looking at you and he is not looking at you, expecting you to produce fruit in your own strength. 
He's really not. He's not looking at you, expecting you to strive and become the perfect vine because he already became the perfect true vine. His focus is not for you. He doesn't want you to focus on the fruit being produced. We need to look for it. But you know what he really wants you to focus on? Am I staying put? That's your focus as a believer. Am I staying put? Am I really connected to the vine? And so, church, as we get ready to close, here's what I wanna put in front of you today. I did not wanna preach a message about how you connect to the vine because it's really simple. I wanted to preach a message on why you should connect to the vine because we know how to connect to the vine. You see, we tend to overcomplicate things in our Christian walk sometimes. We overcomplicate things. We look at our neighbor, we look at these Bible reading plans, we look at all these things and we try to do the right thing to bear fruit. We, we overcomplicate it and bearing fruit and connecting to Jesus, you already know how to do it. If you're not doing it, it's just because you're not choosing. Here's what I, here's what I mean by this. Think about this in, in your normal everyday relationships with somebody. Maybe it's your spouse or a friend you have. What equals connection with them? Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something. Knowledge of them does not equal connection to them. Like you can know a lot of facts about your spouse and not be connected to them emotionally or your best friend. Here's what else doesn't connect us. Proximity doesn't connect us. Like you can be close to somebody physically. You could sit on the couch with your spouse every single night for years and still not be connected to them on an emotional level. So what connects us to people? Conversation. And it's the same way with Jesus. Hear me, church. Knowledge about Jesus is not your connection to Jesus. You can know a lot about Jesus and not be connected to him. Proximity, going to church every week, does not connect you to Jesus. That's good stuff. Both of those are good. We need them. But here's what connects you to Jesus. Are you talking to him? Do you talk to Jesus on a daily basis? Are you in his word? Do you know what his voice sounds like? Are you plugged into biblical community? These are the ways that we stay in conversation with Jesus. This is how you abide. You don't need a message for me telling you that this is how you abide. You already know that. We've just got to do it. We've just got to choose to stay put. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you just choose to stay put in me, you have to bear fruit because I'm the true vine and I'm that good. Amen, church. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.